Welcome to In Progress, a podcast to help you grow and learn how to become a better version of yourself. Now, here's your host, Michael Cerigliano. Welcome, everybody, to In Progress with Michael Cerigliano. We got special guests on today, Jake Zimmer, um, real estate investor, entrepreneur, you name it. So what makes you, what makes you say that... Uh, the smaller units are the way to go for you. Like, why do you go that route instead of just stacking money and going for those 10, 15 unit apartments? So, I, I mean, I'm real big. Like I said, I, I really kind of wanted to learn a lot of this stuff myself. Um, you know, I would love to be a property manager. Um, I just really wanted to learn a lot of it myself. I wanted to learn how to uh, fix a toilet or paint, right? Uh, fix concrete, man. I just learned how to fix concrete. Uh, I learned how to reseal concrete. Like I wanted to learn how to do that stuff. 16 unit properties, 15, you're not doing that stuff. You're hiring a property manager um, to do that stuff. And, you know, all that stuff, man, you need, you need a lot of money or you need a lot of connections. And with me moving so much over the last few years for work, you know, I don't really have those connections in one state specifically, right? I have a couple friends in New York that I might be able to invest with, a couple in South Carolina, maybe one or two here in Arkansas, um, but nothing where like we could really all come together and, and build like a 15, 16 unit property together and know what we're doing at the same time, right? right. I think that myself getting one or two properties, first tenant, I learned what to look for in that first tenant. Imagine if I had jumped into 16 units and I had 16 of those the first time because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Or you'd be, you know, so uh, yeah, I'd be a lot, a lot more than like six grand. Talk about probably about 200 grand. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, I think, I think just the experience plus I'm, I'm making money on it. Right. And if you don't make money on the first one, which a lot of people say they don't, you're not, you're not losing as much, you know, maybe you're losing five or six or seven grand um, compared to a hundred grand, 200 grand, 300 grand. Um, so I think just kind of getting a little bit of that experience, starting to network with people and knowing some of that stuff, four units, five units, and then starting to go into the big boys. You know, I just think it helps a lot more people. But, um, you know, some people jump right into 16 units. They usually jump in with a partner who's used to it and they do fine. Um, I just I didn't really have that available. You know, when I was 23, 24, I didn't I didn't have friends that were doing 10 unit apartments or 16, right, exactly. any, any real estate friends, you know, so. It's a lot harder for me to, to find that person at that age. My friends were still working at like McDonald's and shit. So Right. <laughs> right, exactly. And that's the thing too with uh with Grant. Grant doesn't talk about the negative side of any of it. Grant's basically just like go for the 15, 20 unit apartments and make your money because you won't have as many like one vacancy on a 16 unit doesn't affect you as much as one vacancy on a duplex. And that makes sense. Yep. But he doesn't talk about the dark side to all of this where like you can have 15 bullshit tenants you can have even 10 bullshit tenants and that's 10 times the headache that you dealt with with your one yeah and you have no clue how to handle those headaches so it takes you four or five months to even start an eviction like me you know exactly Versus once you've done it a, a, a one or two times you're you're ready that first month or as soon as shit's laid on the fifth now i'm getting that letter ready you know that's what i do now and my tenants even know it. Um, my tenants in New York will still will still text me if they if they can't pay till after the fifth. She'll text me immediately and say, "I know you're gonna have to send the eviction notice." Um, which you know it's fine. We understand. We'll get your money for you. You know. Oh, so you got them trained. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they know. They know. <laughs> I didn't do that with the first one, right? So exactly. Um. So do you have uh you have properties that you rent out in Arkansas or no? Duplex that I rent out right now. Yeah, I just actually just finished getting one other one of the sides rented out. Um. Now it was the one that I was fixing up, so it took me it took me a couple months to get it all fixed up. How did you go about that? You didn't go through FHA, obviously, because you rented it out immediately, right? No, yeah. So I went through FHA at first, um, and and lived there at first, um, and then, oh man, uh, I I I bought it with tenants in place at first. And FHA right? is okay so, with that. Yeah, yeah. In one side, I I I lived in the other side though. Okay, right. Gotcha. So, um, I'm working on renting this side out right now. Mm -hmm. Right. So FHA was, um, same thing. So you can buy up to four units, like I said, with FHA, but you do have to agree to live in one of those units, um, for at first. So that's what right. we did. And so I bought it with a tenant in place already. And that was, uh, that was the one side that she kind of trashed where I just had to end up fixing it up. So, um, yeah, I mean, you can do, and I didn't think, I didn't think I'd actually get approved for FHA because my house in New York, is still an FHA loan. That comp or that that loan is still through an FHA with the bank. I thought I had this misconception you can only have one in your entire life or even at a time, um, which isn't the case. So since I was not necessarily forced to move, but since I moved out of state uh, due to work, I was able to um, I was able to get another FHA loan here in Arkansas. Okay. So I was I was extremely uh, confused because I I thought. You're only allowed one FHA or, or cause I thought it was like a first time home buyers at the same time. So I talked to the guy and I was like, I know I'm not going to be approved for FHA. He's like, no, man, you're good. He's like, as long as you can prove. So I was, I had to go back and I had to find, um, I had to find my offer letter or one of my offer letters. So I, I sent them the one from Arkansas and I basically just had to show them, um, that, uh, I had moved due to work. So it wasn't really by choice. So I'd moved due to work. Um, that's why I still have the FHA house in New York. Some people, they might make you refinance that FHA loan into a regular loan, depending on like your institution or your bank. Right. Uh, so what, what's the difference between, an, so with the one in Arkansas, did you live in it for a year or no? Yeah, you did. Okay. So what's the difference between yep. an FHA and a first time home buyer to somebody renting so FHA, a property? Uh, there's not really a difference. Basically, the only difference is how many units your property is. Um, so FHA just means it's government backed. That means if I default as a as a home buyer, the government will pay the bank. So let's let's say um, let's say I owe two hundred thousand dollars on my house mm -hmm. on the duplex, right? Um, let's say I default, I don't pay the two hundred thousand. The bank is going to sell this house. At probably at an auction or foreclose on it or, or foreclosure. Let's say they get 180 for it. <clears throat> since since I did FHA, the government will pay the bank the extra 20 grand I didn't I didn't pay. Right. So that's all it means is is it's government backed. First time home buyer is just a program banks use generally to uh, help the bank show that the the uh, the buyer can pay on time or monthly payments of X amount, however much the mortgage will be. And it's usually to help the buyer 
increase their amount that they can put towards a down payment. Because they match it to an extent. Right, exactly. Yeah, usually they'll give some sort of incentive for that buyer to work with them. You know, it might be $200 a month or 300 as long as one, you pay on time, and two, you make the 12 months worth of payments or something like that. Right. Now, also usually, first-time homebuyers program will go hand-in-hand hand with FHA. Most first-time homebuyers are also going to use FHA and the government backing their loan. Really? With FHA, you only need to have 3.5% down. Yeah, so it's just way cheaper up front versus... Um, having to put twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars down. Okay. Now let's say let's say we're going to buy a one hundred thousand dollar house. If you go through FHA FHA alone, you only need three thousand dollars of your own money to get that house. Uh, for the down payment, yeah. There's also you're probably also going to have to pay about five to to eight percent in closing costs, um, which is okay. based on all the lawyer fees, title fees. Um, you know, appraisal fees, the bank's fee, I mean, all that stuff. So, you know, I, I tell people, people usually look at 10, if you're doing FHA, look at like eight to 10% is total what you'd need up front. Mm. You're going to need, you know, three and a half, $3,500 just for the down payment. And then probably another six to seven just for the closing costs. Um, which closing costs can also be partially paid for by the seller too. Um, right now we're in a buyer's market though. So you probably won't get too many sellers offering too many concessions um, because I'm sure they probably have an offer where the buyer's not, not asking for any closing costs. Right. Um, so in a buyer's market, it's a lot harder to get sellers to give us money versus in a seller's or sorry, in a seller, it's a seller's market right now. Um, so it's a lot harder for us to get them to give me money as a buyer versus in a buyer's market, they might only have one or two offers in a month. So if I ask them for five grand to, to buy their house, they'll give me that five grand. Right. So, right. So what's, yeah. what's the, uh, what's like the, the perk of doing an FHA? The FHA loan sounds like it's just a regular loan. Yeah. The, the perk is just a lower down payment. That's, that's all it is. But you but still have to come out of pocket for closing. You have to come out of pocket for closing costs. Yeah. But let's say, okay, so you do a conventional loan on a hundred thousand dollar house. Mm -hmm. right? That's going to be 20% down. You're going to have to put down plus closing costs, right? So your down payments, 20 grand plus the six or seven for closing costs. So you're talking 26. You can do an FHA loan on that. You're putting three and a half plus the six. So you're talking nine or 10 grand. Got you. And then, so then the only difference between the FHA and the first time home buyer is FHA is doing 3% plus you take closing costs. First time home buyers, the same thing, but they're going to throw you a little extra monthly. Yeah, they're usually going to throw you some money out of their own pocket for working with them. Um, and they kind of get you ready for that payment. You know, that $1,000 payment coming out, they kind of get you ready for that. Right. Um, now, the thing, the difference between conventional and FHA, though, you pay more FHA monthly. Because one, obviously, you're putting less of a down payment down. So a $100,000 house, you put a twenty grand down payment on a conventional loan, you're paying a mortgage that's $80,000 you put three and a half percent down, you're paying a mortgage that's 96.5, right? And it's over the same amount of time. So that 96.5 over 30 years is a lot more than 96 or 80,000 over 30 years. Right. So you pay more for your actual mortgage payment, but you also have to pay for what's called mortgage, uh, mortgage insurance, payment mortgage insurance, I believe it's called PMI. Um, and that's basically the fee that you're paying 
uh, for the government to back the loan. So it's basically the government's cut or uh, government's interest rate, if you will, uh-huh. um, on you on you getting a loan from them. Okay. So that's usually about 70, 70 to hundred dollars a month, depending how much your loan is. So which route would you say for somebody doing it for the first time? So someone who's never bought a house before, which route, if you had to go back, which route would you take if they had time, which route would you take if they wanted to do it like now? If, if you have time, if you have a year, I would do a first-time home buyers program with an FHA loan because you can do both. Okay. You're going to get three and a half percent down, but you're also getting some, a lot of support and help from the bank. If you don't have time, I'd still go with an FHA loan. Um, even for people, and, and it's always going to depend on what you're looking for. Um, you know, hopefully most people that, that would listen to this are going to be investors or people who want to make money. Right. Um, if, if you're looking to own your house and live in it for 30 years, put as much money down as you want. That's going to make your payment a lot lower. You're going to pay less in interest over the course of 30 years, whatever. Those people are a very small amount, right? If you're looking to invest and make money, put as little down as you can, right? If, if you were in the military and you can get a VA loan, you can do 0% down. It's, that's like the greatest thing in the world. Really? I tell all my military friends and try to do that. Yeah. You, you, if you're approved, you can do 0% down. And sometimes you get a lot of closing costs paid for as well, too, depending who you bank with. Wow. Yeah, tons of benefits for military. So it's uh, worth military. it going overseas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> um, but if you're looking to make money, put as little down as you can. Because let's say you put down 20 grand and you met your payment is, let's say, $100 less a month, right? It's going to look good when you're making your payments and stuff. And, but if I could have taken that 20 grand, maybe put it into another house and now made $400 a month, that $100 I was saving is not worth me making $400 extra on this other house. Right, exactly. So people looking to invest and make money, I can, I can take $20,000 or $30,000 and invest it and make a lot more than I'm going to save by putting that into one house. Right. So you're saying in for people investing it's better to put as little down as possible so that any money you do have you can invest into other properties that have multiple doors exactly yeah invest in the other properties or i mean if you do the stock market i mean whatever whatever it is you're comfortable investing in yeah absolutely do that because the 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 return you'll get by paying 60 dollars less a month in your mortgage or 80 or 100 120 That'll be great. You're, yeah, you'll pay your that $20,000 off in what? I don't know, probably 60 months, you know, five, six years. Right. Where I could have turned that 20 grand and probably made my money back in a year or two. You know exactly. what I'm saying? So if you're looking to invest, put down as little as possible, as long as, as long as um, you're obviously cash flowing. So, and grant is huge for this. Don't, don't change the amount you put down in order to be positive in cash flow. You should cash flow if you had if you were able to put zero percent down, mm-hmm. right? So if you if you can put ten percent down or three and a half percent down and make a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars or whatever, then that should be good, right? Versus if you put three and a half percent down and you don't cash flow, but if you put twenty percent down and you do cash flow, that's not a good thing. 
What so right. for you people listening that don't know Grant, what do you mean when you're saying cash flow? So cash flow is, is how much how much cash basically you're receiving each month, right? So my cash flow minus uh, so there's net and there's gross. Most people go net, right? Gross is thirteen hundred dollars a month. That's how much I make on rent on that house. Right. Thirteen hundred dollars. That's my gross cash flow. Minus expenses. Uh, minus the mortgage and, and, and shit like that, my net cash flow is a hundred and about four four sixty a month on that house. Okay. So that's how much I make from my tenants, minus all my expenses, the mortgage, all that stuff. So that's my cash flow. So like four hundred and fifty four hundred sixty dollars a month. Mm-hmm. So Grant w- was huge on this. You want to be able to cash flow if you were putting zero dollars down. If you have to put money into a property in order to cash flow, it's probably it's most likely not worth it. Right. Like if it's only worth it if you put thirty thousand dollars into it, unless you're flipping houses, but that's a whole different game, obviously. Right. If you're putting thirty thousand dollars into a house to rent it out to make a hundred or two hundred dollars a month, it's probably not worth it. You should be able to cash flow if you were putting zero dollars down. Okay. So now you said that. Uh... Right now you're making about four four fifty on your I'm assuming that you're referring to the New York house. Yeah. Yeah. When you say so mortgage and expenses, what expenses are you paying? So I'm assuming utilities is in the tenant's name. What what expenses are you paying for? So my house in New York, I actually do pay for some of the utilities. I pay for uh, water, which is about twenty twenty to twenty five dollars a month. Um, and I pay for garbage, which is like $25 a month too. Okay. Um, other than that, they pay for everything else. Now the duplex, that's all in the tenant's name. So, so my expenses for the house are the mortgage and, and insurance and all that stuff, which is about eight forty. Um, the water and the garbage, that's pretty much all the, all the expenses I have there. But, uh, I also, I also hold back usually about 5% every month for actual expenses. So that's when I do have to call the plumber or call an electrician or just whoever to fix whatever. I'll usually hold back about 5% um, for those types of expenses as well. Okay. Just in case. Yeah. Um, Because some shit's always going to happen. I don't care how new the house is. I don't care who built it. If God himself built it. (laughs) <laughs> Some shit is going to happen that has to get fixed in that house. I, especially in the, probably the first year, I, I promise you. Oh, absolutely. Cause you got to go through that bullshit tenant. Um, but gotta. So, so do you have anything in place that's like insurance in case, uh, say for example, you had a shitty tenant who's just trying to get one over on you and they like get hurt or whatever in the, in the unit. Um, do you have anything in place where you can take care of that? Or are you just like hoping for the best? Yeah. So that's a, that's a really good question, actually. Um, and I, I learned actually a lot about that when I bought the duplex here in Arkansas. Um, so my house in New York, I just have a single, single landlord. It's like single landlord slash tenancy, uh, insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, which basically covers the the tenants uh, there in New York. Um, if they get hurt, uh, personal liability, I mean, whatever the case may be. Um, 
here in Arkansas with the duplex, I have an insurance policy, but I also have extended uh, personal liability up to, I think, I think I've made it for $500,000. It was like five extra dollars a month or $10,000 a month um, mm-hmm. to go from a hundred thousand to 500,000. So if, if somebody gets hurt at the duplex, um, I'm covered basically up to $500,000 worth of my assets. Wow. Okay. So basically what that means is if I, if I didn't have that, for instance, I'd be covered up to a hundred thousand dollars, right? So pretty much if I didn't have that and somebody got hurt and it costs their hot, let's say their hospital bills costed more than a hundred thousand dollars a month, they could start to basically get me to either sell my properties so I could pay them or take the properties, right? Or something along those lines, depending on how much it was, obviously. Um, So like my house in New York is worth more than $100,000. So let's say I had the liability for a hundred grand and somebody got hurt and it cost $500,000 for their hospital bills. I would have been covered for a hundred grand. The tenant then could have went to and taken my house from New York. There's 130 grand or whatever it's worth, right? Then they could have taken my duplex, which is like, you know, let's say $300,000, like, you know, and it basically will add up. Okay. So, yeah. So I am basically covered up to $500,000 worth of my own uh, assets. So that covers basically my house that covers my duplex. If they want anything else, it's basically going to come out of my bank account, but that money is a lot better than them taking property or me defaulting on a loan or something. Right. Now I've also heard of instances where people, instead of putting the units and apartments and houses in their name, they'll do it under a business name. Are you doing it under a business name or are you doing it under your name specifically? Yeah. So when I, when I bought the duplex, I, I thought about that. Um, Cause you can do an LLC. So a lot of people will tell you to put things in LLCs um, and, and you really just have to do a research. Like if you're, if you're going to look at buying properties, um, just do your research on LLCs. Uh, just a lot of the research I saw was if you only own a couple properties, um, LLCs just make it a lot more difficult, especially during tax time. Um, and just with some other areas with getting insurance, getting the loan, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of, a lot of people I talked to just, just really, uh, recommended that you get, you just increase your own personal liability insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's up to everyone. You know, if you have an LLC, you're basically covered. You, you get an LLC, you get what's called an umbrella policy, um, and it basically uh, it limits your your single house to just that house. So worst case scenario, if something had happened, the tenant could only reach to that house for whatever damages they needed. So right. you know, if my tenant got hurt in the duplex, they couldn't ever reach out to the house in uh, New York because that would be under its own business. I would ha- I basically have no ties to that. Right. Um, so I mean some. Some people recommend that. Some people say once you get to a million dollars worth of, of assets, then you do it. Some people say at five units. Um, I don't think I'll do it for the house I'm, I'm looking at buying in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. But I think after that, I'll get an LLC for basically all my units so that they're all covered. So you um, would, but right you would now, just put I mean, them all under the LLC? Yeah, so that, that's another interesting point is some people uh, – most people recommend to get an LLC for each property. Um, really? Which, which is really what usually makes it confusing. Yeah. Cause you have to open up your own LLC. Um, but at that time, I'm like I said, I'm hoping to just have one property with like eight to 10 units 
So it's just going to be one LLC. Right. So if you were to go back and do it all over again, would you change anything that you did knowing what you know now? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, where do I start? Right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, the first thing I would do if anyone's looking to buy a house and I mean, I'll have friends text me all the time um, about buying houses and stuff like that. And the biggest thing I, I try to convince people is if you're looking just for even a little bit of extra money on the side or for your rent to be paid for, please buy a duplex or a threeplex or a fourplex. If you don't want to do that much work, please just buy a duplex and you can pretty much get your mortgage covered for it. And you're basically living for free. Um, right. So if I could go back, that's a hundred percent what I do. I, I would have looked for a duplex that way. The year that I did live in that house, my, my mortgage would have been paid for or at least pretty close. Right. right. Versus instead of paying eight, eight fifty a month for my mortgage, I could have rented one, one side out for $800 and I'm paying $50 a month for rent. Um, so if I could change one thing, the first thing I would change is, is start off in a duplex at least people are like, I don't want to live next to anyone or whatever. Dude, I've been living in apartments, you know, for a big majority of my life. I've always lived next to someone. It doesn't really bother me. Um, right. but if you can, if you can stick it out for a year, I, I tell you, it's worth it. You gain a lot of experience. Um, plus usually if, if you as the landlord are living next door, you're going to get a, a better tenant than living away from the property. So you let them know. So Cause that was back, another thing that I thought about too, because I, everybody says, you know, go, if you're going to do a smaller property, go for a duplex. But my biggest concern in that is if they know the landlord is living next door, is that like a weird thing or do you not say anything? Or is it like, no, the, the authority, the, the authority is next door. So be, <laughs> be prepared. The authority is next door. No, man, I tell everyone. Cause that's going to weed out at least 20% of those trash trap house people, right. That are trying mm -hmm. to just come in and ruin everything. Um, it, it's just going to weed them out. So I'll have, like, when I was trying to run out this side, um, like I'll have people message me all the time. Oh, it's a duplex. So who lives next door? And as soon as I say the landlord or something like that, they're like, Oh yeah, no, I'm okay. Like immediately that just was like, okay, well you were obviously planning on doing something that a landlord shouldn't know, right? You know, whether it's drugs or whatever, you just have a lot of people in or whatever the case may be. So I'd prefer them to know and not, not want to, not want to live next to the landlord. Right. So it's not like a weird thing or anything. It's, it's almost like a, a good, so even if you, so for example, now that you're not living there, do you still say that? Like just, just to weed it out or do you now, are you just like, no, it's uh it's this person. Um, I mean, it's, it's still weird. It's, it's even weird to live in next to those people. I'm, I'm very like, I'm very like, I just don't act like you're here. So even if I see you outside, I just kind of put my head down and I act like I don't <laughs> see you. Um, like, you know, it's, it's, it is kind of weird to live in next to them. But I'm the same way in an apartment too. Like when I see people I live next to an apartment, I just, nope you're not here. It's like kind of a very New York mentality in the South. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And Southerners, man, they're always like, Hey, how's your day going? I'm like, that's ah, all right. And I just keep it moving. Uh, how's your day I going? Mean, no, it's definitely a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> just no, just nothing else. Just no. Did you pay rent? Right. <laughs> just make sure, just make sure you pay my rent. Um, but I mean, it's, it's not that weird. Um, you know, Hey, if, if, if you want to, I usually won't say anything. Um, 
like at the landlords living next door because you know I'm not, I'm not going to lie they're going to see a uh, landlord coming over or whatever so right. um but that kind of brings me to my next point is uh I've also started uh where I I have to come in the house every 6 months so I usually will change uh the smoke detectors every 6 months um well, I don't think there's actually really anything else that I do to be honest That's honestly I might smart, like though. it keeps them like it keeps them straight if you're coming in every 6 months they can't really do any stupid man. shit yeah, you know, and they can't they can't make things a mess or if they do, they clean it up when I'm coming. Um, I also so and I do all this myself. I I spray the outside with pesticides every um, every beginning of summer and then at the end of summer again. Um, so that kind of I don't go inside the house, but you know it brings you close enough to where they're kind of like, all right, let's clean up a little bit or whatever the case may be. Right. Um, my house in New York, I go up there once a year, uh, usually at the end of summer. Uh, to clean out the gutters and stuff like that before winter. Right. Um, so, you know, just little things like that. Anything to kind of get by the house. Uh, my duplex, I, I mow the lawn. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much always there during the summertime, at least once or twice in a month. So mm-hmm. anything to stay close to the house, keep an eye on it, keeps everyone on their toes. Is there, uh, so in, in your whole journey, is there, what, what advice would you, would you give to somebody getting ready to go into the real estate investment journey because it, it is a big step i mean for me before talking to you this was like something i mean this is the reason why i've toyed with the idea for six fucking years because i've just been scared shitless it just seems like such a big thing and the way you're talking about it's like no it's really not like you're just making it out to be bigger than it is so someone who's about to go into the real estate investment genre or whatever aka me would you give any advice? What advice would you give that person that's about to jump in? Uh, the biggest advice I can tell anyone, man, is just do it, right? Just just go jump in. You know, you, you're not going to find many, many pieces of real no, let me Let me rephrase that. You can find many pieces of real estate that, that could screw you over. Um, but to me, it, it's difficult. If you do, if you do even a decent amount of research, you don't, you don't even have to really do that much. You do a decent amount of research. You can find a pretty good piece of property that somebody is willing to rent out. Right. So my biggest piece of advice to anyone, no matter how young you are, um, is to go out there and do it. Right. Everyone, I mean, not everyone, but most people think I I just helped my sister. Um, I ended up seeing my sister, uh, in, in October, October for like an early Thanksgiving at my mom's house. Um, and she, she asked me about all this stuff. Um, and basically we talked about it and now she's working on buying her first townhouse in, um, in, uh, Somerville or Greenville, South Carolina, where she lives with an FHA loan. I mean, doing the whole thing, she's going to live there for a year. I mean, just doing the whole thing and rent it out after that. Um, and she's she's almost 40 so whether whether you're 20 years old or you're you're 40 or 50 just go do it man don't don't be too scared almost anything can be fixed you know what i'm saying if you do a decent amount of research and you even reach out to, to a couple people um do worst case scenario for everything so if you see a house do worst case scenario right assume that you won't get paid for three months out of the year assume that you're going to have a thousand dollar water heater break every year and if you are still making even a dollar after that year, it's worth it, man. If you're still cash flowing, it's worth it, right? Because equity is a, is a huge thing, right? So when I bought my house in New York, it's worth basically, so I've had it for four years now. 
um, it's worth basically $50,000 more than it was when I bought it. So hypothetically, if since day one that I started renting it out, even if I'd only charge the mortgage, I make, I could potentially make like 40 to $50,000 right now. Um, by refinancing or selling or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, to me, it's, it, it, it's almost difficult if you just jump into it and you do uh, 25% of research, it's almost difficult for you to not be able to at least succeed or come away with, with, uh, being smarter, being better with it, knowing what you'll do better the next time, um, and being able to be successful from it. Um, so just jump into it, you know, ask, you can ask a couple people, um, I mean, I pretty much learned everything on my own. I, I did everything on my own. Like I said, none of my friends were into real estate. You know, everyone always is like, real estate's I'm doing. I'll still talk to my dad. I just told him a couple of weeks ago, hey, I'm looking at buying a house in South Carolina. He's like, he's like, why are you buying these houses? He's like, he's like, why are you buying so many houses? But my dad is also somebody who's never owned a house, right? I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he worked the sh- same job since he was like 18 to like 55 years old. Like, you know, he, he was somebody where he was cool with just kind of being complacent. And, right. you know, I tell him like, I just, I want to keep, I just want to keep building. I want to keep earning a lot more money and I want to keep being able to get that passive income. Absolutely. So, you know, not everyone understands that, but if you just jump into it, man, uh, it's, it's scary as shit. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but it's, you'll, you'll be successful. You know, if you do just even a little bit, a little bit amount of research, it's hard not to be successful in the business. All right. Well, that's fucking, I mean, that's good to hear. Cause, uh, I was scared shitless. Um, talking to you made it a lot better. So I'm sure everybody who's listening to this is going to feel the same way. Um, you honestly, you, you dumbed it down to the point where like, it sounds like everything that anyone I know that's worried about doing this it's just, it's made up in their head because it's such a big, like big, like in society, it's like, oh, you buy your first house. That's a huge deal. But in reality, it's like, no, it's just another form of income. And that's it. It's just like opening yep. a business. It's, it's just like opening a business. And if you think about it, I mean, if you ask any of your friends, um, I'm sure tons of them have a 401k, right? That they put into their that they probably put in their company, their company might match, right? Uh, 3% or 6% or whatever it might be. Yeah. And so a lot of people have five or even 10 grand sitting in that 401k, right? I tell everyone, I, so I don't have a 401k. I don't have any of that stuff. I tell everyone, take that 10 grand out of your 401k. You'll pay the tax on it, um, which is usually 20%. So you'll pay a thousand to 1500 to two grand on it. So you'll get eight grand still. Um, take that, put it into a house and start earning $300 a month or $200 a month. It's a lot more than your 401k is earning. I can almost guarantee that the interest that your 401k is earning. Right. It's exactly. probably earning point, point 0.2 to 0.3% in your 401k versus $200 a month on an $8,000 loan is, I don't know, 4%, 5%. Right. Exactly. So you're making more doing it that way. And that's another thing too, is, uh, a lot of people in my life have, they've preached 401ks, Roth IRAs, and there are benefits. I mean, yep. the Roth IRA, there are some benefits, but in, in the grand scheme of things with the Roth IRA, you're basing your income on how, how the stock market is doing essentially. And then in a 401k, you're basing it on whatever your company is going to match if that. So it's like, 
in this yep. scenario with what you got going on, it's like you're guaranteed X amount of money monthly. And then that money's building towards your next venture that you're going to be doing in the real estate investment game where you're going to be making that again, you know, times two, times three, times four, and you're going to keep going. And right. then, like you said, once you get to that, what your goal is in the near future, 10, 15 units, you're golden. You already know all the fuck ups. Yep. You already know what you got to do. And at this point, it's just <laughs> plug and play. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and obviously, I'm not a financial advisor, but um, anyone who ever asks me, I, I tell them, you know, the money you put into your Roth, right, or your 401k, you usually can't even touch it till you're 60 or 62 and a half now for most companies. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, I think most companies now are 62 and a half. So without getting penalized. So I just took my 401k Which out is old um, from my company that I used to work with. That's all the shit, man. Like, what am I going to do with that much money at 62 and a half? Like, why couldn't I have invested that money for the last 40 years? Right. And have enough passive income where it's, it's more than $500,000 in a 401k. Right. Right. I could exactly. have taken the, the $200 that somebody puts into a 401k a month. I could have just taken that, saved it myself and bought a hundred properties in the next 40 years. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of how I look at it for the government to penalize you for taking your own money out that you work for, especially after taxing it. Not only do they tax it and then they're going to say, well, since you took it out before the age of 60, even though you work for this money, give us 10% of it on top of the 15% the tax you just paid. Yeah. Right. It's crazy. So I just took my 401k out to pay for this duplex and I have to do that in my, in my taxes this year. Right. And it's just crazy to me. Like not only am I paying a, a pre, a pre withdrawal penalty on top of the tax that I'm paying and that I've worked for, like, it's not like this money was like free or given to me. Like I, I literally worked for this money right. and I'm getting penalized for, for using it. Exactly. Um, it just really blows my mind. But I mean, I, I was the same way. My parents told me save, just save, 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 save until you're 60 retire and and then spend eight hundred dollars a month your home will be paid for whatever and it's like one i might not even live to 60 so if i put a hundred grand away and i'm 60 and i don't i don't get that shit i'm gonna be pretty pissed in the grave right um <laughs> but, so i'm gonna use the money now and i'm gonna just better myself in the in the future um and i, I tell a lot of people that but tons of people are still in the same mindset and they they just think i'm crazy and they're like well you you'll never have a retirement you'll be working when you're 60 and I'm to me, I'm going to be having passive income sitting on a beach, making 10, 20, 30, $40,000 a month from doing nothing. Right. Exactly. So. And that, that's the thing people don't realize that. And, and my biggest, uh, my biggest complaint, I guess, or my biggest, like the reason why I don't really fuck with the 401k, the Roth IRA is because like you said, you can't pull it till you're 60, 62 years old. And I want the money when I'm able to actually fucking use it. When I'm 60 years old, what am I going to yeah. do? I'm literally only going to be able to sit on a beach. Now, if I have it, I can go. I could party. I can go <laughs> travel. I could do all that shit. When I'm 60 years old, I might not even be able to walk. Yeah, ex exactly, man. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's crazy. Like, I, I mean, my dad, he is, uh, I think he he's 60 now. Um, with his 401k or whatever he had through his company, he was able to withdraw it at, at 57, I think. Uh, but my dad had a stroke at 55. So my dad can't ever play golf again. Like, you know what I'm saying? He, he doesn't travel like that. Like, so Man. you just worked for the last 35 years to, to, and now you just kind of sit at home chilling. Like, 
it's just crazy to me. Like, why wouldn't you rather have that money now travel when you're 25, 26, 27? I mean, I travel all the time, right? I go, I go to a lot of places, man. I, I love it. I love traveling. I love seeing new places. Um, like do that stuff now in worst case scenario, exactly. you know, even if you only have a little bit of passive income by the time you're 50 or 60, which, you know, most people like you and I are entre- entrepreneurs who are in real estate, by the time you're 60, you have enough passive income where you don't have to work. But worst case scenario, shit, if I got to work when I'm 65, a couple nights a week, then fuck it, I'll do it. You yeah. know, I myself know that I won't be there because I, I know the person I am. And I know I'll, I'll have enough properties by then, enough passive income. But exactly. even worst case scenario, I'd rather work at fucking 65 three nights a week than work my ass off six days a week now just to sit at home when I'm 65, you know? Exactly. No, you're 100% right. Um. So before we end things off, what would you what would you like for the listeners? What would you say is the the moral the the thing you're really trying to hammer home for these people listening? Oh man, that's tough. The one thing. Well, now that we're talking about four hundred one ks, I I really want to hammer. Don't do four hundred one ks, but um, man, if I had to hammer one thing, it's passive income. Um, that doesn't necessarily just mean real estate. So I, you know, I want to broaden it to find whatever passive income suits your lifestyle. Um, you you know, your, your needs, whatever it might be, find, find passive income that, that you can do, right. Tons of stuff going on right now, uh, with online shopping, um, where you can basically, uh, you can own the inventory for like Walmart or Amazon. It's kind of the, the most simple way to put it and basically make money. Um, and you only work a few hours a week. Uh, there's passive income with, dude, I, I was looking at getting into ATMs, um, ATMs, uh, uh, vending machines. It's not necessarily completely passive because yeah, you have to go f- refill it. Um, but to me working 10 hours a week, uh, to make money is, is passive to me. Right. So 100%. find, find passive income. You know, I, I obviously prefer real estate. I just love real estate. Um, I, I just pretty much finished up getting my, or finishing my real estate course so I can get, take my exam and get my license. Um, uh, but it, real estate's just always been super interesting to me. Right. Um, but find just find passive income, uh, that suits your, your lifestyle suits what you want to do, uh, with your life and how much money you want to make. Um, and if that's real estate, it's an easy, easy way to do it. You don't have to be hands-on. Um, I mean, you can hire somebody for everything you need, right? If you jump into real estate, um, there's people you can pay Mike as a property manager and you don't even have to deal with, with the tenants, exactly. right? Getting the yeah. tenants in or anything. You're going to pay them, you're going to pay them 10%. So you're going to pay them a hundred bucks a month or 130 bucks a month. Um, but you have almost no hands in it at all other than receiving the money. And then you have to approve some big expenses if the water heater goes, right? Right. Um, so Real estate, you can be completely hands off. Me, I want to make that extra hundred bucks a month so I can get twelve hundred dollars more a year. Um, so I, you know, I do a lot more myself. Um, but you can be completely hands off even with your first property. Um, and real estate's not going anywhere, right? So if, you know, if I tell anyone, the stock market is going to crash at some point, right? Everything's going to go up and down. You never know necessarily when. Real estate will never go anywhere. Um, Grant Cardone talks about this a lot. Unless there's Armageddon and and nukes get thrown over here, the real estate will literally always be there. Yeah, it's something physical uh, that will always be there. People, there's two things or three things in this world people need: somewhere to live, something to eat, something to drink. Right. So exactly. 
with one of those things being a need uh, that people that people need, real estate's not going anywhere. Even if the housing market crashes, I can guarantee I'll still I can still rent out my uh, my properties to at least make the mortgage. Right. Right. Exactly. So I mean, worst case scenario, I'm still making money off the equity of the house. So um, you know, passive income. If 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 there's anything I really want to get across to people. Passive income, it's, it's the way to go. Um, you know, it's, it ensures that you don't work for the rest of your life. Um, I'm hoping to get at least, you know, three more properties in the next two to three years um, on top of the one that I'm trying to buy in South Carolina. Um, and then after that, I'm technically, in my eyes, going to have enough passive income where if I wanted to never work again, I could live off that. Really? Um, now I won't be able to, I won't be able to live as bougie as I want to now. So I, I need a lot more properties, Right. Um, but I could, or hypothetically, if I needed to live off of three or four grand a month, I'll be able to do that in a few years. Um, and, and that's really what I'm looking for is that stable where I don't, I don't want to depend on a job or a boss, an employer, anything like that. I want to be able to kind of tell myself, Hey, if I don't need this job, then I don't need it. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, and passive income is, is the way people people are going to get there. So, no, you're 100 percent right. That's I mean, that's the mentality. That's my mentality too. Um, me, me being where I am right now made me realize, like, if I was to, for whatever reason, lose my job, I'd be absolutely fucked in the current scenario that I am. Yep. And that is when you actually genuinely go through that that is the scariest shit and it is the most eye-opening shit to realize like i really don't have anything at all going on that can help save me in case this shit goes down yeah that's one of the scariest things uh you know that that we can that we can see for ourselves is if i lose my job my whole family's screwed you know my kids are screwed or whatever um and and obviously most jobs have us have us uh, like that, right? They know yeah. well this person can't go anywhere because I literally own their life. They're gonna come in and work six days a week. They're gonna work mornings or close. They're gonna do whatever I ask them to. Exactly. They need me. Um, and I mean that's how most employers are, and that's a business. So yeah. Um, and hopefully one day I get to that level where I can I can look down at people and be like, you have to do whatever. I say. <laughs> <laughs> that's the fucking dream, man. Exactly. Yeah, for sure, man. So I want to thank you for jumping on today. Um, you definitely dropped a shit ton of gems today. So I appreciate that thoroughly. I want everybody listening to make sure to subscribe to the channel, comment, like the video, all of that. And we'll be back next week with another amazing episode here on In Progress.